Hello everyone, I'm your host Tiffany here at Yala Rocks, and I'm also the creator of the Belly Dance Bundle. And this 2021 season of the podcast has been full of some of our amazing teachers to the 2021 edition of the bundle. Today, Adrienne is joining us here with her amazing new project, the Creative Process for Dancers Workbook and Live Class. And this one, y'all, it's going to be a game changer. Adrienne has spent years refining the process that she uses to create, from her days in art school, which we'll dive into, to her current dance projects. This workbook walks you through the entire creative process, from idea development to lessons learned after your performance. It's a roadmap for how to take an idea, develop it, seek feedback, make the changes that make sense for you, and polish up that piece to make sure that it's the best that it can be. And one key part of that process that we're diving farther into today getting feedback on your project. Have a listen from two art school nerds about how feedback doesn't have to be quite so scary. Hello, dancers, and welcome to Yalla Rocks, the belly dance podcast that helps you design your personal practice. I'm your host, Tiffany, and today we have with us Adrienne. Adrienne, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to dive into the creative process with you and your contribution to the 2021 Belly Dance Bundle. But since this is your first time on the podcast, I would like to know a little bit of your backstory. How did you get into Middle Eastern dance? How did it evolve from a hobby to something, you know, that has really kind of just taken over your life? Because that's what it does. It does. It takes, you know, I feel like we all pop into a belly dance class and we don't anticipate it would become this. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, um, you know, I moved to LA. I was having a hard time. I didn't have a lot of friends. I moved here from Arizona with my husband and I was just having a lot of body confidence issues. And it turns out one of his friends was a belly dancer, a belly dance teacher. Her name was Maria. Um, I can't remember her last, like she had a belly dance last name, but she mm-hmm. was blonde and she was from New York and taught in LA. She's not super well known, but um, a lot of people here remember her in LA. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she's like, Hey, like, you know, belly dancing helped me with a lot of my body confidence issues. Like, why don't you just come to class? And I was like, sure. Why not? I mean, why not give it a shot? It sounds fun. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, belly dancing was just something that I just did on Tuesday nights, you know, and I had a lot of fun doing it. She was a really fun teacher. I enjoyed, I, cause I knew her as a friend before, you know, so it was just like a way for me to see my friend on a Tuesday night, kind of get moving a little bit. And for a long time, it was, it was just that. <laughs> um, but then she, um, she stopped teaching just because of, you know, life changes and job changes. Mm-hmm. And one of the other students in class was like, Hey, I found this other dance teacher named Saida Albent. And, you know, just, I think like a lot of people, she fit her schedule. I think a lot of times when you start belly dancing, you're not, you don't know what, what kind of, you're just looking for someone who like, I'm free on Tuesdays. Like, you know, yeah, you don't, you don't know Tuesday. enough to, to have like those opinions, right. You're just like, this is my schedule. What fits? Yeah. And you don't even know if you're doing like a tribal class an AMCAP class an Egyptian class, you're just no. like, it's Tuesdays and who's available nearby. So mm-hmm. we walked, so, you know, it just kind of have has things have happened like that. So another local dancer here by the name of Sarah Alma and I, we walked into Saeed Albin's class and she was like, you guys want to dance? Like you ever want to perform or like, I mean, I guess so. Like, you know, we never even <laughs> thought about it. I was like, I mean, but she was strict. She was like, okay, well, if you're going to get on stage with me, you need a real Egyptian costume. You'll be wearing fake lashes and we're all getting fake hair. And I was like, whoa, I don't know. We'll put this, in. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot. This is a lot. This woman has standards. I don't know about this. Like, um, but it was great. And it really just kind of slowly evolved. And then she was a great 
uh, dance teacher because she was she was like, you need to take classes from other dance teachers, not just me. Those are my favorite kinds of dance teachers. Yeah, and I feel really fortunate that I fell into her class because like I said, I didn't set out and do any research of who I was going with. Yeah, so she was like, all right, so every Wednesday, because we're all free, the three of us for three on Wednesdays, we're going to Tamara Henna's class. And there used to be a Tamara Henna that taught here um, in California. And she actually like, I think it lived in Egypt and did her master's degree and just, she's very, very, very well educated. But once again, I don't know. I'm just told to show up on Wednesdays at this place. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, um, and I was getting more into it and she was, she taught us a lot of folklore. It was really funny. Um, I, I would see people come to Tamara Hannah's class and be like, oh, it, this sounds fun. Like you see, you know, you see belly dance, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you go to her class and she's like, we'll be learning Breda technique today. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you know, it's just, I think for a long time, it was just along for the ride. It didn't like, it didn't like infect me. Mm-hmm. until um I saw um and the same thing like I, I just wanted to meet new people and meet some new friends because I was just really moving to a new state is hard and um yeah I was like well there's this belly dance camp in the mountains by run by Zara Zuhair I've been to that yeah in yeah. Idlewild and it is it, and it was all the dance teachers from this place called Dance Garden in LA um and they were all going to teach up there so I was like okay um I'll go to this dance camp and see if I could meet some friends and that's when it changed. <laughs> I was suddenly exposed to all, I met, I met all these amazing dancers. I met uh, Roxanne Shelby, who I, you mm-hmm. know, I'm super close with and work with now. And I don't know the bug. I caught the bug at camp. <laughs> yep. I think I was just exposed like to suddenly so much more, um, you know, than I, even though like I had an amazing foundation, I was exposed to so much more um, there. And I started going to more classes and going to more workshops and traveling a little bit more, um, and doing more festivals. And then at a certain point I was doing, um, a hafla with some uh, local dancers, um, here. And these girls who gig came up to me and they were like, so, uh, you want to make some money? <laughs> and I was like, like a okay. back alley deal. <laughs> it was like a back of like, you know, so like, you got some costumes and you seem like you could dance and you have the look, you know, which is a thing. Like, I don't yeah. want to pretend that my look did not contribute to them approaching me because yeah. it totally did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have the look and you seem like you could dance and you, we could make some money off you, you know? And I was like, let's go. I mean, sometimes I think like, why am I just saying yes to these things? Why am I not thinking these things through? You know, like, it's like, let's do this. And the very first gig the girl sent me on was in Las Vegas. They're like, we're going to get a car. We're going to go to Las Vegas. And we're basically going to be belly dance booth babes for this Indian vape company. <laughs> My goodness. Okay. <laughs> like, this okay. is fantastic. I know. Sometimes I, like, I'm like, like, wow, I just, you, well, this is what happens when you say yes, Tiffany. This is what happens when you just <laughs> say yes. You end up in Vegas as a belly dance booth babe. And you're like, what is happening with my life? <laughs> um but yeah it just kind of wrapped things up a little bit so yeah my, if the villain's life went from like zero to 100 really fast uh working with those girls and then i i started working every single weekend for a number of years um at the arab uh, restaurants and nightclubs here in southern california and that like really contributed a lot to um my dance life um and my experience i have and then then i got burned out and then <laughs> it happens and, you know, a lot, I feel like I've, I've, you know, then I kind of focused on more contributing back to the community and kind of doing this dance the way I want to do it. You know, I worked with Roxanne Shelby creating the Fez documentary, which you worked on too as well. And you were a big part of the Kickstarter. Like yeah. you like completely created that. Um, you know, I've, I've done so, uh, you know, contribute back more in projects now, which I, mm-hmm. I really like, I enjoy working on more projects and I work with Faiza. We are the belly debates, the ballet debates together. We've been making these online shows, you know, over the pandemic. And I just enjoy more now just kind of making projects and 
but I believe in quality stuff, you know, mm-hmm. just focusing more on the dance versus like get in the car. We're going to do like 18 shows tonight. You're going to be exhausted. You know, like I, yeah. I, I love this dance and I love this art form so much. And I love the, and I'm so grateful for the experience of gigging and working in the Arab American culture here in Southern California um, to help educate me, you know, kind of in the projects I do, but I don't know. I caught the bug. I went to camp and I caught the bug. That was my big mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Or your best mistake. I know. I know. Sometimes I'm just like, can I just be, remember when I just used to go to class on Tuesdays? (laughs) Yeah. It's, but that's what happens, right? Is like you talked about getting burned out is it goes from something fun and joyful and yes to, oh, suddenly now I'm like doing this as a job and now I'm doing it a lot. And I just kind of need to like step back and find the fun again. Like I've talked to so many dancers who hit that, that part of their journey. And they're like, oh, wait, I got to go back to the part that was fun. And Mm -hmm. I love that, you know, you didn't necessarily go back to gigging all the time. You went back in a, in a way that worked for you, because I feel like we have this, I don't know, there's like this end point that we reach and like everybody's end point is the same, right? Mm -hmm. Like everybody is going to turn into a gigging dancer who does this and then does, does the festival circuit and teaches workshops and, and like, that's not, that's not the case. Like I, I don't want that either, right? Like I gig locally at restaurants, like sometimes on Friday and Saturday nights, but like, I don't want to be the dancer who does that all the time. I want to facilitate people finding online classes. Like I've really found the belly dance bundle and all of this to be Mm -hmm. my like happy spot. I want the business part of belly dance and like getting people into online classes, right? You're looking at doing projects, giving back to the community, like Mm -hmm. the, the, the belly dance community, right? It needs people who aren't just there to teach workshops and go to festivals yeah. and do this part. We need people with a variety of skill sets doing a variety of things that all serve the whole, the community as a whole. And so like, I love that you didn't come back and just jump right back into gigging. You found your place. Yeah. I would like to say it's as unglamorous as a glamorous. Yeah. And I, I like, I like your point of like we, there, I feel like there is this pressure of like, Oh, the end point is like the festival circuit and gigging all the time. Yeah. But why can't it just be fun? Why can't, you know, why can't someone just be like, Oh, I just take classes for fun on Tuesdays. It's just something I enjoy in my life. Yeah. And it, that's fine. I, that, that should be okay. That should be enough. Everyone's life is different. And I think it's re- as someone who does teach online and has gigged and has done all that stuff. I'm telling you, it's exhausting. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's so much more that goes into it than just like, people are like, oh, well, you just show up and dance. Like my non-dance friends are like, oh, you just show up and you make it look so easy. And I'm like, you guys are hilarious. I'm working yeah. like six, 12 hour days a week right now. Cause it's bundle time. Like you, you yeah. have no idea. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes and, you know, and I think I, I wish in the community, there was much more focus on just nurturing those people that just want to, want to do it once a week, want to do it at their own time, want to do it at their own pace. And that's fine. I think that should be, you know, because I think this dance is beautiful as, you know, this Middle Eastern dance is beautiful as it is. And just to allow people just to come and go and just enjoy it and explore it, I think is a great thing. It is absolutely a great thing. And with your contribution to the 2021 Belly Dance Bundle, you are kind of touching on the fun side, right? The creative side of putting all of these things together. So Tell us a little bit about your creative process for dancers workbook. That's what is going to be here in the 2021 bundle. Why, where did this idea come from? Why did you put it together? Like what kind of is the inspiration here? Because I feel like this is right. We're talking about things that are kind of not fun. A lot of times the creative process becomes not fun. Not fun. Yeah. It's a very frustrating, (laughs) right? It's frustrating, but it, 
like we, we can bring the joy back. So let's talk a little bit about your process, how this all came to be so we can dive into the fun stuff here. Yeah. So um, even like more, more of a background upon you for Adrian. So I actually have a master's in fine arts. I was a visual artist for many years. I got my bachelor's from Arizona State University in drawing and I have a master's in printmaking from California State University of Long Beach awesome. um, with a specialty in metal engraving. P- facts about Adrienne. <laughs> um, but in, you know, having a formal arts education, we talk about the creative process in that formal education. And then, you know, I come into the dance world and, you know, even though things, I I want things to be casual, I don't think we all need to like go all in. We don't often, there's so many things we talk about the creative process in an academic setting that are not talked about in the Mm -hmm. dance setting. It's just like make art, like it's a magical thing. I think, you know, a lot of dancers and even, you know, young artists think like, oh, like I'm just sitting around and some idea magically pops into my head and then it just appears on stage. Nope. Um, And there's a lot of required reading in academia. Um, One uh, book that I recommend for everybody with a caveat is um, Art and Fear. And I I can't remember, honestly, uh, like maybe we can- I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's called Art and Fear, and I cannot remember the names of the two authors. Now, a caveat is, I think it was written back in the 90s, so it definitely um, doesn't touch upon, I think it mentions she once in the entire book. It definitely assumes that it's for a white male audience, but there's a, so with that caveat in it, there's a lot of great advice for artists in it. Mm -hmm. And one thing that it really touched upon me in the book is a lot of artists we don't think of the journey. We only think of the endpoint. So we always oh, like fantasize. Yes. Like we can, yeah, we fantasize about like the costume, how it's going to look on stage. But has anyone ever fantasized about drilling the technique and the combo like in their studio? Like, nope. <laughs> for weeks <laughs> on end to get it for weeks. To get it just right. I can't wait. I'm just so, I just, you know, like no one, no one's like jazzed about that. Like, it's like, you know, you, you're on one side of the lake and you want to get to the other side, but no one thinks about how to get there. And the book really kind of talks about that and the fears and sometimes there's, there's a lot of, the book kind of touches on the fears that kind of happen, you know, mm-hmm. in art and, but there is a process and what is that process? No one ever talks about it. We just talk, we just like look at, and we just look at videos that are the end point. We don't really ever talk about like, I mean, really like, how did you get there? So that's why, you know, I've been wanting to create for a really long time, um, the, this like a guided process for dancers specifically, um, and so I've been working on this workbook actually, like probably since, you know, I started on, I think, uh, March, 2020, I was like, all right, we're home. I've got some time. I'm going to do this, you know, and I've been working on it for a long time. Um, you know, and just kind of going through the steps and the stages of like, I mean, you know, idea development, because when you're working on a project, honestly, in the beginning, if you don't have a solid idea and kind of really work it out, you, you can start venturing off in different paths, you know? Scope creep. Yeah. Scope creep is a real thing. You guys, (laughs) it is a real thing, (laughs) you know, and you know, so it's a lot of focus on the beginning and it's also a lot of focus on getting feedback, you know, from your peers, from your mentors, you know, and also like, and just thinking through, like, you don't have to take all the feedback you get during your process, but it's like taking, Mm -hmm. making, breaking up this into stages, you know, idea development, feedback, refining, you know, like actually like researching, um, your idea. And, uh, but I think too, the workbook, you know, you, the workbook that I created and the steps I created, it's not about like, you don't have to just be like, well, I'm not going to have a big thing. I just need a half for the weekend. You know, you can still take it in chunks and just make it light. You know, you don't have to fill everything out. So I tried to make the workbook like, oh, I just have a casual thing. Let me just kind of think, you know, quickly go through the steps mm-hmm. or you're going to do a giant stage production, <laughs> you know? 
Um, but it's all the same, like, you know, feedback, reflecting, um, what's working, what's not working. And then the most important for me of everything is the why, mm-hmm. why are you doing it? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, like for me, like there's the why is very different. Like, so, um, you know, when I was gigging, my why might be, well, I just need to create a really flashy piece that I can use at like a wedding, you know, something like that. Or the hookah, it also like, if I did something at a hookah lounge, it's going to be a different, the why is different. Like I need to create something that will monetarily, you know, benefit me because this is a job. I need to make sure my clients are happy mm-hmm. and I make sure like it's something that they wouldn't hire me again for versus now when I don't have to gig. Okay. The why might be like, I want to make something for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to make something like, I really enjoyed the song. I feel emotionally connected to the song. So getting back to the why you're creating something in the first place. And I feel like sometimes we just think like, well, why, you know, why are you creating this? Well, I have a Hoffle on Saturday. Like that's, you know, let's, let's dive a little deeper, you know, into it. So, yeah. Yeah. Cause even at a Hoffla, like, are you dancing to the song because you love that song and you want to express something specific? Are you just there to entertain the audience? What is going to entertain them? Like you come with even just those two, you come at it from a totally different perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, and cause especially like entertaining, you know, dance as entertainment is completely different than like, maybe you're dancing for yourself. Like you need, you need to have like a moment, you know, and you need to like work this song out for, you know, versus like, Hey, I'm just going to put this out there and just be like, and I just want everyone to have a good time, you know, or, you know, um, like even recently a dance I worked on with Amanda Rose, I did one of Amanda Rose's drum solos. And it was like the whole why was just to sharpen my technique, you know? Mm-hmm. There's just so many different reasons to do a dance, but I think starting off with the, why are you doing it? Why? (laughs) You know, I try to always, you know, impress that upon when I do workshops, like, why are you doing this? And starting, even just starting there before you even start your kind of idea development is just like, what you doing? (laughs) And I think that's sometimes not talked about. It's just, you know, because I think, especially as students, you go to class and the teacher's like, we're going to learn Saidi today. And you're like, okay, I mean, we're here. So we're going to, you know, so I think students often are not taught to develop their own ideas. They're just kind of given what's got to be happening. Well, and this goes back to what you said about art school. Cause I also went to art school. I went to the Savannah college of art and design. I forgot about that. Yeah. So my, my degree is actually in video game design, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had to take several years of like a traditional art school, like mm-hmm. you know, drawing one, drawing two, like all of, all of that before they would let us into um, like the computer classes yeah. to learn any of the programming. And it is something that is just in, inherent in going to an art school is that we're going to talk about the creative process and how we get here and what we do. And that critique is part of the deal. Mm-hmm. And in dance, we're, it almost feels like we're really afraid of critique. Like we, because we're not taught to, to take feedback, ask for feedback, like anything that we're so afraid to ask our friends to like, Hey, what do you think about this piece? Our friends are afraid to like say anything, but Oh, you're amazing. Yeah. Right? Cause they love you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause they love you. And so it's like, you get stuck in this, this cycle where the creative process is getting bogged down, but it's just a lack of education around the topic. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I did a post, about, I don't know if you, I, I did a post about why is critique so personal today on Instagram. I put that up today. Amazing. I'm going to have to check it out as soon as we're done. I was like, I was like, did you see my Instagram? No, we're all just like, we're vibing. Yeah. So I actually put a post today, a little carousel about why is critique so personal to dancers? And that actually, that was the first thing I noticed when I started dancing, because anyone who's been to art school knows, you know, you get like three weeks to make a project. 
you put it up on the wall and you talk about it as a group. And the whole class sits around and stares at it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the teachers are trying really hard to, you know, encourage, you know, critique because it is a skill. It's a skill that needs developing mm-hmm. to be able to look at something on the wall and be like, hey, like this has nothing to do with you. But like this piece could have been better if you did this and actually talking about why something doesn't work. I had a teacher because people like I like, you know, I don't I don't know. It's not working for me. And he'd be like, why? You know, and be like, you know, if you just say like, yes or no, it's just like grunting. Like there's no quality to like what you're saying. Like you yeah. need to like verbalize why it's not working and what's not working. And that does not exist at all in the dance community, period. No, there's no, I've, I've literally never, except Amanda Rose's class, which we did this weekend, but I've never been to a class <laughs> where like you get up and you dance and everyone has like the other half class sits and like critiques, you know and talks about like what was working, what didn't work, what did you get out of it? You know, like um, that's never come up before. And I think for dancers, especially like being a visual artist, it's easy. Like you make your, I would make my print and you know, you spend so much time on it. You are emotionally invested, you know, and you put it on the wall and then someone's like, I don't like it. It kind of hurts, you know? Yeah. But I feel like as a dancer, your body is the medium and it's so much more personal now. Right. It's like, it's not a print on a wall. It's literally you doing a it's thing. It's me. You're critiquing my physical being now, you know? And of course, as like, and it, that comes with so much baggage, mm-hmm. right? You know, but I want dancers because critique has made me a better dancer, hands down. Mm-hmm. I would not be who I was without the critique and with my mentors. I do weekly privates with Amanda Rose. It is like literally having a car payment every month, but it works for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I need that critique, you know, um, I've had critique from, you know, Roxanne Shelby, I work with, and we're all friends, but it's like, they understand how to communicate critique, you know, and it's not, you know, and that's a skill. That's what I find with dancers who have coaches, right. Is that they tend at first it's like, Oh goodness. But once they get into coaching with whoever their mentors might be, they tend to have more defined goals. They figure out their whys. They start to get more critique and feedback and start integrating it. And they learn, like, it's almost like those skills are reserved in the dance world for when you get to the point of you're going to hire a coach. Mm-hmm. And we, that makes it so inaccessible yeah, to so many dancers. It's like, if we could take a step back and create more products, like you know, your workbook where we can work through pieces of this and you can teach people how to take parts of it, you know, take it apart, put it back together, see uh-huh. how all of it ties in, right? This is why we run struggle to strength, our non-competition competition, right? Because yeah. I want people to come in and get like coaching light, right? Where it's yeah. a little more accessible. We're getting feedback on our pieces. We're, we're working on them and we're taking the critique and building something better than the first version. The first version was great, but it could be better. Right. <laughs> Always. So I feel like this is just, this is so essential, like across the board and we need to make it more accessible. Yeah. People. And that's a big deal because obviously, you know, I have a financial advantage. I'm able to pay for private coaching once a week. That is a huge, you know, financial privilege I have and, and it helps me, but I know dancers that wish they could do that, but they financially can't. Mm-hmm. And this kind of critique does not happen in regular classes you know, that are more, that are much more accessible to people. Um, I think teachers are scared. I mean, like, I'm going to be real, like, oh, like the T. Um, I think, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of, you know, teachers are scared. They want people to come. They want people to have a good time. And I think that's fine for a beginner class. You want to encourage people. But I think, you know, when you have these weekly intermediate advanced classes, I think critique should be really a much more critical part of the, you know, 
of the class, you know, because I, I think teachers should be open to critiquing themselves, you know, just feel like this is something we all do. And to show that critique doesn't always have to be this negative thing, like you did it wrong. You know, it's like, hey, like, okay, you did it like this. If you try changing it like this, you can see how it kind of can become better. So let's do it like this and let's sit back and see how it improved. Yeah, you know, I think mm-hmm. people don't have those skills. Yeah, to say that. like what you're talking about is like a fundamental shift in like the zeitgeist of how belly dance is taught, at least in the United States, you know, like it would be mind blowing for it to change that much. Like, but yeah. we'll get there over time. <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine like you take a ballet class and they're like, you're doing great a plus everything, you know, like, I mean, no, like they're going to be like, no, like fix your toe, like, you know, like adjust yeah. your posture, you know, and we do that, but it's like, you know, like we have to find the middle ground between the two, right? We don't want like the strict ballet teacher, but we yeah. also don't want the just like anything flies. Yeah. And, you know, and I definitely, you know, I've got so many dancers who had an anything flies teacher it was just like, everything's hugs and roses and we're having so much fun. And then they want to become serious and they, they're realizing that they really needed that critique from the beginning, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think people think of critique as such a negative thing. Um, I, you know, the like, critique, it just sounds like a negative word. Like I got critiqued, you know, versus yeah. like, you know, I like, um, Vanessa, you know, Vanessa of Cairo, she talks about like how she went to class and she considers every critique, a nugget, a golden nugget to take back with her. Mm-hmm. And I love that attitude so much of just like someone gave you like a, like a way, like a tool and a, like the, and the knowledge of something you can work on, you know, um, and critique can also be like, what is working? What did you do now that just worked? You know, it's like feedback. Um, And I, and I feel like some people get stuck on that critique and they also don't know how to critique, you know, they don't know how to, because we we don't show people how to verbalize what positive critique is and positive feedback is. Um, You know, I I feel like it's just like, you you know, you get so scared, you put yourself out there, it's your physical body, (laughs) you know, and you're like, I hope people like it, you know, and it, you're so vulnerable, you know, and I think too, you know, I talk about this a lot with my friends is people also don't know the timing of critique. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For real though. For real. I just want to put this out there as like a public PSA. Do not critique a dancer right when she's just got off stage. Like that's, that's really terrible timing. (laughs) And I, I also think uninvited critique as well like yes is something that I see like when we are giving critiques to each other giving feedback like sometimes nobody asked yeah (laughs) so like we're like thank you for that feedback um I'm gonna walk away now yeah (laughs) Yeah, feedback you know I definitely feel like feedback should always be given in like um you know Roxanne's really great about this she'll be like hey I have some feedback for you let me know when you're ready for it you know, or if, if you ever, if, if yeah, and it's fantastic because obviously right when you go off stage, I, I mean, I feel like this has happened to me a number of times I've gotten off stage and someone has said something to me, critiqued me. I loved it, but did you have to use that blue veil? You know, just stuff like that. I feel like we've all kind of experienced that. And I just, I wish there was a whole, like, I just got off stage, leave me alone for a second. You know, I, yeah. when I dance, I, I have to open my heart up like, and I open myself up and I'm so vulnerable. I don't know. Are are you vulnerable? I feel like I'm so vulnerable. Yeah. Like that's like the worst time because you're still, you're still in the music and connecting to the audience. Like you're not, you have no walls. Yeah. Right. And like, just, especially because like of what we were talking about, right. It's you and your body creating the art. Like you have to, you have to create at least the distance of your painting on the wall to your body, like in your mind, like when you're listening to these things. And right after you've performed the thing, you, you can't do that. You literally can't separate yourself from the thing you just did. 
because you're yeah. still in it. Um, I remember once same kind of thing. I was when I was still a baby dancer and I, at the restaurant I worked at, there were two dancers on like Saturday nights or something. And I came upstairs where we like the, you know, the, our supply closet was that we yes. hung out in, <laughs> in between sets. And the other dancer was like, I wish you danced with a sword all the time. Your posture just gets so much better. And I was oh, like, ah. I was like, dude, what? Like, dude, <laughs> like, yeah, the- did she have a point? Yeah. She right, did, but, but like, come on. It was time. It was bad timing and it was uninvited feedback. Right? No one likes that. <laughs> so then, right, in part, in this creative process, as you're creating a thing, how how do we chase this feedback? How do we get, you know, because we, we need it to iterate, to, to create the piece we want to create to the way we want to create it. How do you suggest inviting the critique? Who do we go to? Who do we ask? What do we ask? What do we need to do to make sure that we're not taking it personally when it comes to that? Yeah. And I think, I think step one is understanding your perform. Like we're all learning. We're all on a journey. There's no such thing as a perfect performance. You know, you can watch someone and be like, that was perfect, but they don't think, you know, like we're always going to like not think it is separating your self-worth from your performance. I think so. I mean, and I do it too. I'm not here to say like, I don't do it. It's definitely like a journey I've been on is, you know, if you had a bad performance, does that mean you're a bad person? No. No. Does it mean you're a bad dancer? Nope. Nope. (laughs) You know, is it mean you should give up and go home? And I, but I think it's also normal to know that those thoughts are, those are thoughts that everybody has those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Literally super professionals get off stage and have those thoughts, but it's really important to work and acknowledge that those thoughts exist and to acknowledge that your dance performance is separate from your worth as a person. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that's like step one. <laughs> and big I'll, step. I'll be honest, it's a big step and it's hard and we all struggle with it. You know, even I'm just like, oh, I've just ruined my reputation. Everyone saw that. They're gonna think I'm a terrible person. You know, we all can spiral out, but it's one thing you need to know that's normal. And just to, that, that's something we all have to work on. You know, um, two is asking, just literally asking for the feedback. And I, I make it a point to only ask people whose opinions I respect, <laughs> you know, right? 100%, you know, I don't think, you know, it could be a very dangerous to be like, I'm going to put this video up there and be like, Hey guys, or Hey everyone, submit your feedback to me, you know, like, Whoa. Um, you know, cause you know, it, it is scary as a dancer posting yourself online and people feel the need to just give you feedback, whether you want it or not. Um, but I, I, I ignore feedback. any uninvited feedback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any uninvited feedback, like I didn't ask for that. So like that doesn't, you need to put that over there. Yeah. Um, so I make it a point to ask for feedback from people I respect. Um, even my friends, my friends that are dancers, I'll be like, Hey, uh, can you just, and even my friends, we have a little group where we will send videos back and forth to each other critique, you know, it'd be like, okay, like two minutes here. Like, I think this could have been better, you know? And I think it's actually, actually, so if you respect someone's opinion, you're more likely to absorb the feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also go with, you know, I did competitions for a number of years and you will get feedback from, you know, maybe eight judges, you know? Um, And what do you do with that feedback? Um, I always say, if one person said it, it's their opinion. If two people said it, you might want to consider looking at that. (laughs) That's a really good point. Yeah. Cause everyone, I mean, how many times have you been to a show with your friend and you watch and you're like, I love that person's performance. And they're like, that didn't do it for me. Everyone has an opinion. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can have even like a fight. I can't remember. I, I won't say we watched somebody and um, 
I, Faiza loved someone's performance and I did it, but it was amazing. Like how different we felt about it, you know, mm-hmm. but there was nothing wrong with the performance, you know? And it's just like, you have to understand that everyone's going to interpret your performance differently. And you have no, you really, that's one thing I learned as an artist. You can make your art. You have no control over how people can interpret it. <laughs> right. Death of the author, as it were. Is, yeah. <laughs> right. Your yeah. intentions, your meaning, what you put out there, once someone else takes it in, doesn't actually matter so much because they'll put their own story, their own trauma, mm-hmm. their own past, their own yeah. likes and dislikes. This is why, like you said it earlier, there is no perfect performance. And this yeah. is exactly why. If you were mm-hmm. performing to yourself, maybe mm-hmm. there was some aspirational perfect that you could get to. But even then your likes and dislikes today versus tomorrow, today, you hate this part of your piece tomorrow. It's your favorite part of your piece. Like if there is no perfect, there is it like perfect doesn't exist. And honestly, that was really traumatizing for me to realize when I started, when I, when I went to therapy <laughs> years ago, I yeah. was like, no, like I really want to be perfect. And my therapist was like, that doesn't exist. I was really upset about that, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's been a long journey for me to realize perfect does not exist. Um, for me, I always try to think like, I want to be better. You know, how could I make something better versus just attain this like illusion of perfection, you know, cause that's never going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, it's just like, you know, getting, you know, you know, looking for feedback from people you respect, understanding there's no such thing as a, as a perfect performance, you know? And then also I think, you know, taking a critique is like a muscle. You have to mm-hmm. do it often because if you just do it, like, cause it's, it is terrifying. If you've never had critique before to be like, can you critique me? Even as an artist, I had gone through, I mean, horrible, rigorous, you know, violent critiques at art school, you know, um, especially when you get to grad school, um, it gets brutal. Oh yeah. I'm sure it does. <laughs> you know, there, there have been, te- there was tears in grad school from, I think all of us at some point. Oh yeah. You don't get through art school without crying. No. I mean, if you would like, you did not, even, you didn't go to art school if you didn't cry. I'm telling right. you. <laughs> Um, but even as like, I went through such a robust, very intense critique experience in my visual art, the first time I got critique as a dancer, it was so terrifying Mm -hmm. because once again, it's so personal. Um, but I think it's like a muscle. You have to build it. You have to constantly be asking for critique and it's so much easier now for me. Like now I'm like, I like, I get excited. Like, let's critique each other, you know, like, <laughs> like give it to me. And someone's like, no, I think you did great. Like, go, like I need, like, I'm like, I'm like addicted to the critique now. <laughs> <laughs> I think too, like here, give me feedback on this. You can, if you have something in particular, be like, what part of this was your favorite? Mm-hmm. What part of this do you think didn't work as well? Like there's gotta be some part that didn't work as well as you thought it could. Right. Like, you can get more specific with the questions you're asking too. Mm-hmm. And that helps people break out of, you know, cause you're not the only one who is afraid. They are also yeah. afraid a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And so asking them specific questions allows them to kind of break through that barrier of like, oh no, she really does want me to tell her like the part of this that I would change. Yeah. That is such an excellent point. Cause how many times has someone asked you, Hey, can you give me some feedback on this piece? And you're like, you were great, you know? Yeah. Like, what do they want me to say? I don't know what they want me to say. Right. And it it can be hard because I, I, I know which one of my friends is really is open and has that muscle built, but you know, sometimes someone, you know, asks me for critique and it's like, okay, like, are you, do you want me to be gentle? Do you want me to be hard? You know, like, cause everyone's a little different. Mm -hmm. Everyone's very different how they want to, you know, critique done. And then, you know, I learned really early on, like in 
like way back in high school when I did music, like it's called, I call it the critique sandwich. You say something positive, then you give the critique and then you put another positive thing behind it. The mm-hmm. critique sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it softens everything up, you know? Um, you know, that's, that's one technique for giving feedback, you know, when you're like scared to give the feedback, mm-hmm. you know? So, but yeah, that's such an excellent point about like being scared to give the feedback. <laughs> yeah. And reminding, like, we're all stumbling through it together. Right. Yeah. So we got to be nice to ourselves. We have to be nice to our friends. We make the critique sandwiches. Like yes. we do it when we're invited. Like all of these things really help. Like, I think if, if we did all of this more often, the culture would shift. I agree. Um, I, and one thing that it was, it was, it's very interesting to me. Like, I feel like the belly dance community as a whole, like, it's a lot of like, we're okay. We're going to be fun, like, like self-love, but I feel like sometimes we're not taken very seriously as other dance disciplines, mm-hmm. you know? And I think critique is one thing that's missing from that, you know? Um, and I see a lot of dancers that would, you know, I myself benefit, I saw the benefit of when I started critique weekly critique, you know, on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, people don't understand maybe what's, you know, how they're not getting better. They go home. They, they don't, you know, there's like with, there's not intentional practice, you know, and people are kind of misguided of like, how, like, how do I get better? How do I do this? And there's just not a lot of discussion around those process things. Yeah. How do I break off of this plateau and actually mm-hmm. move to an, the next, the next set of technique or the next project or the next thing? Cause I feel stuck here. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is like people, you know, people can feel stuck. They don't understand how to move on. They don't understand, you know, when is a project done? When is a project not done? You know, um, you know, when to shift things, you know? Um, and I think a lot of people too will like, they'll end a project and they're like, oh, it was terrible. You know, what am I even doing with my life? And we'll beat each other up, you know, beat ourselves up. And they don't know that like, that's okay. Like just put that in a box and we're going to move on to the next thing. And we're going to work on making that next thing better. There's not really this, this process is just sort of like, I feel like for many people, it's like, make a piece for the Hofla, move on, make a piece for the Hofla, move on, you know? Um, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with like, Hey, like, I'm just here to have fun. I'm here to be casual. I'm here to socialize and just learn a little bit. There is, I want, I want to make that clear. There is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. This is for dancers that really want to get better, you know, and really want to be like, well, why, you know, what, how can I make my piece better? How can I make my technique better? How can I work on this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know? And then one thing I do want to say about, um, critique, you know, going back to it, I think, it, you know, that's a big, big part of it is getting that feedback, you know, from your peers. But what I would say is, um, you know, your friends are great, but sometimes, you know, if you're asking a professional dancer, you need to pay them. Yes. You know, yes. <laughs> pay people for their work, please. Yes, please. You know, you don't want to message, you know, a, a big, you know, dancer that you respect and be like, so with all your free spare time, can you do this favor for me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, you know, cause most, uh, most teachers are, um, have the skills to give feedback, especially, um, dancers that do coaching and they do charge, but you, but you'd be amazed, like, even if you just did it, you know, maybe twice a year. So I was going to say, you don't have to do it weekly. Like Adrian does, like you can do it like spread out at through the, like you do a project, you have a critique session that you pay for as part of creating the project, just like you would buy a costume for the project, just like yep. you would buy the makeup that goes along or the accessories that would complement that piece. Like that just becomes one of your costs of the project. Yeah. And I think too, that's where people, a lot of people get stuck, even for me, they're like, okay, well I need to get better. So I need weekly lessons. I need to practice eight hours a day, you know? And I think people don't understand what's that saying is like, you know, just one stone at a time to build the mountain, you know, like, (laughs) um, even for me, I get caught up in that be like, okay, 
I need to put aside five hours this week. Like I do not have five hours in a week for practice. Like if with my current life, and I think a lot of people don't, a lot of people Mm -hmm. are parents, caretakers work, you know, everyone has life, you know, very, very few dancers are able to commit their entire lives to dance and not work or family commitments or whatever. You and know? this is why we can't compare ourselves to each other because you yeah. have no idea, right? Like, is, does she have tons of free time? Does he have no time at all? Like what, what are people's time commitments here? You have no clue because we don't see the process. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping to like, you know, with, you know, for myself, I try to talk more about the process and stuff. And I try to be open about the fact that I'm just exhausted. I literally cannot work on dance Monday through Thursday. I can't, it can't even happen. I can, I can barely come home and practice. It doesn't happen. And I think, you know, I've, it took me a long time to realize I don't need like three hours of practicing, you know, on the weekend every day. Mm-hmm. I just do like little 15 minute chunks here and there. My favorite yes. thing, my favorite words, every, when people come on the podcast and they tell me about their small daily practices. I want you to like bust the myth, right? Because this is the idea is you have to practice mm-hmm. for an hour for it to be worth it. And that's just not true. Yeah, I am. My brain doesn't work like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just not that person. Like my brain is like, oh, look at that. Look at that. Let's do this. I need to do this. Like I cannot. It's really, really challenging for me to sit and be quiet and then work on something for an hour. I personally have a hard time doing that. Mm-hmm. And I think people think like I once, I remember I was talking to a dancer and a dance student. She was like, oh, I don't know how you guys have time for this. I have to run through like 18 different choreographies. I was like, why do you have to work through all your choreographies? Just do one this weekend. Like, and just run it once. Like, you know, I think we get so overwhelmed with all the, like, we think there's, we think all this dance stuff is happening, but it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that everybody's spending so much time doing all the things when like, they can't work on their dance Monday through Thursday and they, they yeah. just pop in 15 minute practices before they brush their teeth at night or something, yeah. you yeah. know, like it's, we have these stories we make up about other dancers and their creative mm-hmm. process and how they got where they are. And we have no idea what we're talking about. We're just like making up all kinds of stuff about people. And it's like, I know, <laughs> but they're over, you know, they're over there doing smaller practices or they're professional dancers. And it is what they do eight hours a day. No wonder they're so good. Yeah. Like, we don't have well, time also, for there's that. also the myth of like the professional dancer that they dance all day long they do a lot of business work on the internet like right. there's like a, there's Sitting so many more desk. like answering emails and like organizing things like there's not a lot of dance time like i've talked to professional dancers and they're like yeah there's just a lot of like marketing work and like business stuff and bills real, like <laughs> yeah i remember i was talking to princess Verhana once and she's like you know i don't think people realize how much time i spend on the computer <laughs> yep 100 percent true Awesome. Adrian, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts here around the creative process, around critique, around feedback. I think Mm -hmm. uh, that this is going to help a lot of dancers kind of move past that roadblock because that's, that's something that really trips people up, like while they're creating their pieces and getting into it. And I cannot wait for people to take this workbook with you. It comes with a live Mm -hmm. class in the bundle. Like you can kind of walk people through the steps. This is, this is something different. And I love I love that. Like, that's what we need is we need people who just aren't doing the same things. We've got to come at it from a different angle. Let's look at it from our different perspectives, bring it together. I'm super stoked. I'm very excited. Can you tell people, how do they find you on the internet? How can they interact with you? How can they be part of the circle with you? Come, come be a part of me and have fun with me on the internet webs. Um, the most, the best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm, I'm Adrienne Rocks. That's A-D-R-I-A-N-N-E-R-A-Q-S. Um, you'll find me on the internet. Um, my, my website is also um, adriannebellydance.com. 
I am on Facebook as Adrienne Curran. That's my muggle name. So C-U-R-R-A-N, you can find me on there. But yeah, follow me with your ventures. Message me. I'm, I always like to say I'm a real person. You can just message me. <laughs> so I'm right. here and I am just so, so thrilled to be part of the Belly Dance Bundle. I bought your first one. The one and I was like oh, back I in 2017. Like, 2017, I was there. I bought it and I was like, I love this concept. And now I'm like a part of it. And I'm just so honored to be here. And I love the Belly Dance Bundle. I think, I think everyone should buy it. Um, cause it, it's like, it's like buying like a giant buffet platter of like all the things like, it, you know, exactly. You get to try all the different things that mm-hmm. maybe you wouldn't have, you know, dived into otherwise, like people who are terrified of creating pieces might be like, well, I have this workbook, so I'm gonna try it out and see yeah. how it mm-hmm. goes. And like, that's, I've had people completely change their opinions about portions of this dance because they just happened to take a class through the bundle. So yeah, I'm I think it's, I think it's, it's wonderful. Open your, open yourself up people. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so one last question for you before yes. we let you go, we're trying to bring some positivity to the last 18 months of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So what would you say is your most positive dance experience from, from all of this time stuck indoors? Oh, 100, not 100%. Um, it has been the online productions I have done with Faiza of with the Ballady Babes. We did Remembering Retta, Visions of Vintage, All the Rage, and then recently Fabulous Folklore. And they're um, fantastic shows. You guys do an excellent job putting those together. Yeah. For me, it was like I finally had the time <laughs> to fulfill my dream of not, not worrying about hiring the superstar dancers, but actually looking for actually good dancers, really good dancers and showcasing good dancers and showcasing this dance you know, in a very positive, you know, and, um, light that really showcases the culture and how the dances should be performed. Um, that was the, for, for me, that's been the highlight of this whole thing is, is creating those really nice online shows uh, that for me, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, everybody who's seen them, I'm sure agrees because they, they're some of the best produced shows I've seen throughout the pandemic. So thank you for taking the time to put those together. Cause I know that that is a lot of work that you guys it have been is. putting in there. Yes, Faiza has to deal with me on my 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 emotional breakdown every show. <laughs> yes. Adrian, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing all of your knowledge here and in the bundle. Come join us for the bundle class, everybody. And until then, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. One of my favorite things is seeing how dancers bring their outside life into the dance, how Adrienne's time as an artist influences her creative processes in dance. This is one of the things that I feel really makes all of us so unique as dancers and as creatives. We're all bringing totally different sets of skills and experiences to the table, even if the moves that we're using form a common language. It's amazing to see how unique everyone is and how we'll each take feedback and creative processes from others and mold them to fit our own lives, dances, and journeys. I can't wait to dive into the creative process for dancers with Adrienne, but until then, make sure that you're following her on social. You can grab all the links at thebellydancebundle.com 84. We're constantly iterating, experimenting, and applying the new knowledge we learn in our dances, and it's absolutely beautiful to see. 